The Fic Writers Craft is a podcast that discusses all things fanfiction with a focus on the art and science of writing for the enjoyment of fan communities. My name is Joe, aka Pebbly Sand, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. My co-host, Lani, is also known online under the name Copper Dust. You'll meet her shortly. For now, buckle up, get yourself a nice cup of tea, and welcome to the Fic Writers Craft. Okay, one, two, three. <laughs> We're back to normal. <laughs> All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome uh, to the Thick Riders Craft. Um, where so I'm Joe, uh, happy to host, and I'm here with my co-host Lanny, and we're both going to be discussing uh, fanfic and all things like writing and writing in fandom and all that. Um, we have had this idea for this podcast; it's our first episode because we wanted to kind of discuss, you know, writing as a craft, but also we're both fanfiction writers um and so we wanted to kind of discuss that and and go into depth about what we think is great about writing fanfic and discussing the art of writing fanfic so welcome everyone um i'm gonna let lani introduce herself first um about like who she is and what she writes and basically what she likes about writing fanfiction hi everyone um so my name is lani on the internet, I usually go by the handle Copper Dust, so that's how I go on Tumblr and on Archive of our, of our Own. And lately, I'm usually writing in the Harry Potter fandom, but in the past, I've been mainly writing in like musical theater fandoms, in particular Rent. Um, I haven't done that in quite a few years. And personally, I like to usually write sort of gen fiction, um, but I have straight outside of that. I really like to do historical fiction and stories that are kind of set in a specific time and place. And I would say I'm pretty much a setting first writer. And do you want to introduce your sort of writing profile on the internet? Yeah. So I'm Joe, and I usually go by Pebbly Sand. Uh, I've gone by Pebbly Sand for like years now. I started writing fanfic, uh, like most people, I guess, when I was a teenager, um, and mostly wrote for TV shows at first. Um, so different TV shows. I wrote a lot of fic about like The Good Wife, and then I have gone, sort of gone back into, uh, the Harry Potter world, I suppose, with the pandemic, um, and started writing Harry Potter fan fiction. I'm writing both one shots and also like a, a longer work, uh, called Castles. And I think. I'm more, maybe more character driven or like plot driven, I suppose. But no, I like try and write more general fan fiction as well. I think I like kind of digging into specific characters. So I have a series as well that kind of digs into like secondary characters. Um, and so maybe we'll introduce a little bit um, more about who we are outside of just the world of fan fiction. So in addition to making fan fiction, I'm also a, a visual artist and I also write original fiction because contrary to the myth that fan fiction prevents you from growing into writing original fiction, it actually does not. Those things can coexist. Um, I have a degree in art and I also work as an elementary school teacher. So whatever bad fanfics you've read on the internet, I promise you that I have seen worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Joe, you definitely have a very different background from that. 
Yeah. Um, so outside of, so I have a law degree. Um, I work in tech, but I have, yeah, I just studied law like my entire life. I'm, I'm from Europe, obviously. And like law is like an undergrad degree for us. So that's basically all I've ever done. And outside of writing fan fiction, I've never, I don't really, I've written like a couple of short stories, uh, original short stories, but I've never really considered myself in original fiction person. Not that I don't want to write original fiction but I just it never came about and it was never something that I really wanted to dedicate time towards uh, but for me personally I'm not really I don't consider myself like uh, an artist or anything like that like I just write and that's the only artistic endeavor that I have <laughs> um, so I'm definitely like I know you have a lot of experience about uh, maybe including other media in your work and I think that's like a great kind of uh, insight to have I think you've done that before right mm-hmm. yeah so I think we kind of have two different backgrounds that we're sort of coming towards fan fiction from, but in other ways, we're very similar in that we're the same age. I think we're both 27. I'm 28. <laughs> I'm turning, I'm turning 28 unforgivably soon. And, um, we, we both grew up like reading fan fiction in like the wild west unfiltered internet of the early 2000s, RIP. And, yep. um, so we've both been exposed to both fan fictions that we enjoy and many that were shocking or horrifying to us as underage children with unsupervised internet access. And so we've kind of come up through that world in the same way. And I think a lot of Harry Potter fans that are our age have gone through that same kind of introduction to fan culture um, in the early 2000s. Um, which is not to say that this podcast is only going to be discussing Harry Potter because we're going to be talking about fan fiction more broadly as it might apply to any fandom or a combination of fandoms in the case of crossovers. And so I guess like what we can, uh, what I wanted to ask you, I suppose, is like, what, what do you see as fan fiction? Like where, how do you define fan fiction and kind of like, how did you get into it? Why do you still, you know, because I think there's like a lot of, not stigma, but you know, there's a lot of like, oh, fan fiction is for teenagers. And then when you grow up, you like go into the world of original fiction or whatever. So like, what, how did you kind of, how, how do you sort of define fan fiction and why do you enjoy writing it? I think fan fiction is probably the way that most people discover writing in the sense that when you're a child in grade one and grade two, the first writing assignments you get are, you know, your teacher asking you to write, like, what would happen after the end of the book? What would be the next chapter? Or write, write this chapter from another character's perspective. So we traditionally don't define those kind of writing assignments as fan fiction, but basically they are. And so um, that might be part of the reason why we think of fan fiction as something that is for children or for teenagers, because those are some of the earliest stories that we would tell. I don't believe that fan fiction has to be for any specific age group, although certainly like demographically on the internet, at least it does seem to be most popular with women who are in their teens and twenties, but that doesn't mean there aren't um, exceptions. Um, For me, I guess I like to define, um, define fan fiction very broadly. So I would include any work of storytelling that is based on, Um, a previously existing work that is not by the author of the new work. So a person writing a sequel to their own book, that's not fan fiction, but somebody writing a sequel or a prequel or a parallel story or an alternate universe version of a story that already existed would, in my mind, be considered fan fiction. You know, I, I do define it broadly because I find 
you know, some people, their narrow definition of fan fiction is it only exists on the internet. It has to be um, written based on works that are not yet in the public domain. And so it's not legal to publish them and earn money off of them. Um, I personally think it's a bit silly to define fan fiction by whether or not you are allowed to make money off of it, because that, that doesn't seem to, it certainly affects the distribution, but I don't think it affects the actual art form. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think like the thing with, the thing with like the, the marketability and like the sellability of fan fiction and all that stuff is that like, if you think about it, a lot of books even coming out today or a lot of works coming out today being marketed are actually fan fiction. It's just that like a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that they're based on is in the public, public domain. And so that mm-hmm. is something that can obviously be, you know, marketed and be sold. And, you know, we're writing works, obviously, like when you're, when you're talking about Harry Potter, things like that, you're not, that kind of thing is obviously not still not in the public domain. And so you're by default, you can't make money out of it. It's one of the, last things on the internet that are actually free for everyone to enjoy and uh, which i think is which i think is a very interesting thing but i think it's also it also kind of contributes to the vision that we have of fan fiction of this kind of like sub art form i suppose of like something that is less than original work and i think because we live in a cap- capitalist society obviously stuff that doesn't have value can be kind of disregarded in that way and so I think yeah we we kind of see fan fiction um as less than maybe also and like as a thing for teenagers and as a thing you know for people who are not strong enough to write original or original fiction or whatever because it's not marketable but I think that's like it it's a very like it's a very shortcoming as like a definition you know, I think a lot of people think of fan fiction outside of the fandom community as something that is just like, you know, teenage girls writing sex, like writing porn yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I think uh, obviously that is a bit of a short, uh, it's kind of like, it's not really what fat fi- fan fiction is in my experience. Like, of course, there is sexual content on fan fiction, but it's not the only thing. And I think that is something that we also like kind of need to address when discussing fan fiction. Yeah, and I think there's there's actually so many angles to this because um, there were multiple complaints made about fan fiction that sort of, if you extended that complaint, you would have to get into a whole other genre. So if your argument is it's not artistic, it's not original, then, I mean, you could say the same thing about a lot of like American rom-com movies and children's television shows. If your complaint is that it's pornographic, it's meant to be, you know, sexually arousing, then you're you would also have to complain about just pornography in general. Um, If your complaint is that, you know, um, you can't make money off of it, it's not legal, then I suppose you would have to say similar things about like street art and graffiti artists who are also kind of illegally making work. So um, I, it, it does seem that a lot of this comes down to the fact that overwhelmingly young women enjoy it. Um, and mm-hmm. of course, we know historically that everything women like is bad, unless men also like it. And if young women like it, 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 that makes it stupid. And if older women like it, that means it's pathetic because they're trying to be like young women and they're not. So, yeah. I mean, people have made this comment before, but I think it is something we have to come back to where studies have shown like overwhelmingly the demographic for at least internet fan fiction is young women. And, you know, we can't 
um, get away from the kind of disdain that is shown for things that young women are fans of, even when later on those things become sort of culturally veneered like the Beatles for instance like in the 60s it was like oh my god you like the Beatles like that's just like a teenage girl thing where teenage girls would go to their concerts and scream for like three hours of course nowadays you know there are men who are like Beatles mega collectors and have spent like fifty thousand dollars on on like rare vinyl items and have gotten PhDs in the Beatles but um of course at the time it was like you were just like another pathetic teenage fangirl and so I guess like one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is like, how did you get into writing fan fiction? Um, I was always interested in making up stories of any kind, whether they were mm-hmm. fan fiction or not. Ever since I was little, like before I could write, I would just make things up in my head. And then once I could write, I would write them down with like marker in like a lined notebook. <laughs> um, and like, I I found, like, notebooks and stuff with stories I wrote when I was five, and, like, every word was phonetically spelled. Um, So I I wouldn't say there was, like, one moment at which I became interested in it. That was just always something that I was interested in. But definitely when I discovered that it was a thing that other people did on the internet. So when I was nine, that was really when I was first, like, using the internet by myself. And that was when I discovered that this was a thing that existed that people older than me were doing in a way that was probably more artful and elegant than what I, as a kid, could do. Um, And so I would say for a while, I just sort of made up stories in my head, but I didn't have an interest in writing them down because I didn't have an interest in sharing them with other people. And I and I read things that I found online. But as I got more into being like 11 or 12, I became more interested in like actually going from just sort of writing as a form of play to a form of craft and something that I actively wanted to improve on and wanted to see like gains made. And so I I started like publishing stuff on the internet when I was maybe 12. Now I'm not standing by those works and saying that they were amazing because they were not. But that was, that was when I started sort of like sharing work with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's interesting is that because I have that stuff up, I've seen, I can sort of track my growth over now, like 15 or 16 years and see kind of how I've changed over the course of that. Um, span of time but definitely it was something where again for me like my interest in fan fiction was not separate from my interest in any other type of like original fiction like to me it's it's the same interest which is wanting to make up stories yeah I think it's like it's this thing of like as writers and like generally art is made to like engage and entertain and I think like that's what I like what I like about both you know we were talking previously about like write another book or like read another book or all that stuff and it's like of course we read many many books like we're currently writing like writing Harry Potter fan fiction but like obviously we read you know many many books and I engage in art form and like you know I love television I love you know films and things like that and I think you know it is but I think there's like a kind of nexus around that of like wanting to engage and entertain with art as a general like kind of as a general medium of you know having that conversation having an audience for that conversation and kind of being able to contribute to like a dialogue with you know people who will like read your work or like Mm -hmm. you know interact with your work and I think it's it's kind of the same thing of like of course there's like specificities about writing fan fiction and reading fan fiction that you wouldn't find 
in, you know, reading a normal, like a quote unquote normal book mm-hmm. or anything like that. But I think there's like a lot of things that are, you know, in common as well and that you can find in both in all the art forms that you engage in. Um, for me personally, so I started writing fan fiction. So you might not be able to hear it, but I am French originally. And I, so I started writing fan fiction. I was like 12 or 13 and I loved mm-hmm. that show at the time was just called Without a Trace. It was like this American yeah. procedural. <laughs> And I just, I don't know, I had a, I had a fixation on it. Um, and so I started like kind of going online as you do when you're like a, you know, 12 year old in like the 2000s, um, and found, I think it was like French forums at the time because my English wasn't that good. And so it was kind of like the French fandom community of Without a Trace, which was tiny, like very, very tiny. And I remember my very first fic, I kind of was, so I was kind of looking at like what people, you know, there was like these forums and people were like writing fan fanfic on like in forum kind of format. Yeah. Yeah. And there was this person who had created like a kind of, I think they, she had like a first chapter and then it just like completely ended. Like she never continued it. And I was like, Oh, I like that first chapter. So and like it had been a year so I messaged mm-hmm. her and I was like is this abandoned can I take it over and like <laughs> completely like you know and she was like and actually to her credit like now that I think about it I think that's a bit weird but at the time you could do that you know yeah and so I was kind of like can I can I continue this and she was like yeah sure I'm never I'm never gonna finish it so go mm-hmm. ahead and um, and I wrote it and it was so bad like so so bad um have and you, I have you seen it recently so no, so that's the thing. I'm kind of sad about that because you were mentioning that you're able to track your progress since then. Yeah. I'm not. So all these French websites. So there was like a kind of French version of live journal called Skyblog. Um, and all those websites have kind of gone under and I never, like, I never kind of safe, like, I didn't see the value in safekeeping yeah. my shit at the time. Yeah. You know? So I never, I never really kept, so I only have stuff from 16 and older. Uh, which is when I started writing in English. And that stuff is still on fanfiction.net, RIP uh, fanfiction.net, I think. <laughs> Where it's kind of like The Walking Dead because instead of just dying properly, which it should do, they keep it going even though it's like functionally dead. <laughs> I so I still update I have a weird um like emotional attachment to fanfiction.net. Um I still update so my early even like my 2020 Harry Potter fanfic um mm-hmm. I still kind of continue to put it on ffnet just out of sheer nostalgia like it's like it's nothing else and i get these like weird comments but like people are there's some weird comments but there's like seem still people who are reading mostly on ffnet like there's not that many but there's definitely and like so obviously like i'm not posting new work on ffnet anymore because i can't you know i don't i don't want to do that because it's Mm -hmm. again like it's a shit website let's be honest but uh but i'm still so my long work which i started so castles which I started updating on like I actually posted on ffnet as well and I know some people are reading it so I'm still updating castles on ffnet uh but I do have like the archives 
of a of pebbly sand back from like when she was uh nine like yeah 16 17 that's kind Mm -hmm. of but I don't have anything that I wrote when I was a teenager which is kind of sad to be honest like I'm kind of like I wish I had that but unfortunately I don't and you know I think I have the unique sort of privilege of um you know most people they read their early work and go you know this is awful but I read my early work that I wrote when I was like, let's say 12 or 13. And I also have access to seeing what lots of 12 and 13 year olds write because I'm a teacher. So I know that like, just as a work of fiction, yes, it's awful, but comparatively, like developmentally, I can see where it stands up next to what like the average 12 or 13 year old writes about, which I guess is like helpful for me and not just kind of feeling totally humiliated about it but i mean people people aren't embarrassed when you dig up something they wrote in grade one that has a spelling mistake in every word people think it's cute but somehow the like cringe fan fiction you wrote when you're 13 is not cute i think it is cute i think Mm. it's sweet that people write cringe fan fiction when they're 13 you know oh yeah 100 percent. i wish as i said like i kind of wish i still had access to that because i think yeah I think it would have been cute and like to be honest it probably wasn't that bad because people were reading it like I remember like of course it was a small fandom so they didn't really have a choice like they kind of had to read whatever was out there but I think like it probably was like kind of like on the low end of readable um (laughs) but (laughs) but like it was still you know it was still and I I do like I do kind of wish I had access to that and I one of the things that I do now and I know this is kind of and I don't want to say controversial, but I know like different sick writers have like different standards about this. Like I know a lot of people will like take offline the things that they don't like anymore. Like if they've yeah. written something like, or, or, you know, like orphan the work on, on AO3 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I try to not do that. Like I've never, like everything that I still have is visible yeah. online. And the reason for that is that I remember. So when I was like 16, 17, I started writing in English and I started reading in English as well and reading fanfic in English. And there was this author who I really liked. And I remember because I was obsessed with her work, mm-hmm. I kind of went down like her fanfiction.net at the time, like archive yeah. and like started reading her very early work. And I was like, oh, she wasn't always this good. Like, I was like, I remember thinking to myself, okay, I really like what she writes now. And obviously, like, her early work had potential and it was definitely readable. But I remember thinking to myself, oh, it's not the same standard as what she writes now. And so this was like an incredible boost for me because I was like, oh, that means I can get better. Because obviously, like, I knew I wasn't, like, I knew I wasn't great at it or whatever. But I was like, oh, that means, like, like, if you keep going, you can get better. And so... I always try to keep my old stuff online because I want, like, if there's one person who's like 16, 17 right now and reading what I'm writing and thinking to themselves, you know, I want them to be able to like go back in my archive and see that like, you know, my old thing, like my old stuff wasn't to the standard of what I write now. And like, I want them to kind of be able to relate to that and be able to be like, oh, I can improve too, you know? Yeah. And I, I think for me, like, Some of my earliest works, there were people who enjoyed it. Like, I don't know who they are, but they left comments saying that they liked it. So (laughs) for me, me, it's like mean spirited to those people to say this is so bad, it has to be taken down because it's like, you know, those people enjoyed it. And like, you know, I don't want to take down the kindness that they left in, you know, leaving a review 
And also, like, if you don't like it, you don't have to read it. Like, it's fine. Mm. You see a fan fiction posted in the year 2007, and it's bad. Like, have a nice time not reading it. But <laughs> some of us, some of us don't like damaging the archaeological record. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I think, I think that's, that's definitely, yeah, like, you don't, it's like, I think there's like, I think that comes to like fan fiction in general and like I think it's much easier to be like oh I don't like this so I'm just not going to read it anymore and I think like the internet kind of gives you especially in bigger fandoms like Potter or things like that where like it's kind of like there's so much on offer that you can just you know be like oh I don't want to read this and like I'll read something else and I think you know that's necessarily like I know that when I like buy a book like a physical book by an author even if I don't like it I kind of feel like I have to finish it which whereas like in fan fiction because there's so much on offer and also because it's for free you're kind of like okay well you know live and let live kind of thing and like Mm-hmm. I don't want to read that. That's not my jam, whatever. And so I can read something else. And I think that's why also, like, I like fan fiction so much is that there's like, there's kind of a very, you know, broad spectrum of what you can and cannot read. And it's all for free and it's all out there. And all you have is like to just kind of find it. Finding it can be hard, but you know. Yeah. I, I definitely think that like, if you're first becoming interested in a tiny fandom, you will read what what there is, right? There might be yeah. like 15 stories and you'll try each one. And if you don't like it, you won't finish it, but you get what you get and you don't get upset. If you're in a massive mega fandom like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or I don't know, Game of Thrones or something like that, you people come in with this idea that because the fandom is so big and there's so many sort of cultural products available that they have to find the thing that is absolutely their niche that they love And for many people, they actually can find that thing because so much has been created. Um, And definitely, it it can also sometimes, I think, be a writer's block issue where I think, how could I write this when it's obviously been done before? Mm -hmm. Um, For me, as somebody who likes a lot of like Marauders era stories, the, the thing that's like always been done before is the prank. Like everybody has their own take on it. And, um, but for me, it's like, even though I read like 6,000 takes on the prank, I was like, yeah, but none of those were my takes, you know, like I yeah. have a slightly, I have a slightly different take on it. I don't care if, if there's been 50,000 takes. Cause I think, I mean, it, if you expand this to like genre ideas, like have there been books about falling in love or getting revenge or getting an education and growing up? Like, Yes. But that, that doesn't mean like you can't read a Western or a romance or um, a coming of age novel again, you know, because yeah. I think pe- people love variations on a common theme. And I think what we see with fan fiction is that people love to see a thousand versions of almost exactly the same thing, but a little bit different each time. And, and like, that's okay. That's not something where people need to get a lecture on, like, you need to read something new. Um, there's nothing new under the sun. And if you believe in this kind of myth of total originality, you probably aren't very well exposed to a lot of art. Um, I I think, I don't know for for me, I sometimes I think about the way originality is treated in the publishing world of writing is um, it's so bizarre to me coming from a visual art background because in visual art are this sort of cultural norms around 
originality versus versus plagiarism are much looser and a lot mm-hmm. of things are considered to be not plagiarism but a response to a previously existing work like there's this uh famous um great depression era photo taken by walker evans of a woman um leaning against a kind of um wood frame house and she looks very like thin hard scrabble um and then another photographer came along um called sherry levine um who literally just took a photo of the walker evans photo so she she photographed it and her version is literally the same photo but she printed it herself but it's literally just a photo of the original and the point was that her work is like a commentary on originality and nobody came after her for plagiarism because it's understood in the visual art world that that you can do that you can make something that looks exactly like somebody else's work if you have some kind of concept or reasoning behind it that's different and then somebody else later on i can't remember took a, a photo of her work which was called after Rock, after walker evans and their work was called after sherry levine after walker evans and once again it's the same photo of the woman leaning against the wall and now it's like a double commentary on um kind of post-modernity and originality and again this is this is considered fine in in visual art like this is a normal thing to do like people adapt each other's images they 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 take images they reproduce them in with variations far more subtle than the variations you'll see between a a fan fiction and an original work and this is considered like playful and postmodern and fine and yet in in the writing world people you know a publisher would be like, why can't you write original fiction? But somehow this is like totally fine in visual art. And, you know, in music, artists cover another artist's song all the time. And this is still considered music, not like fan music. So I don't know why the publishing industry, it's like extremely like conservative in in it, in terms of the way it interprets like originality. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And so in preparing the podcast, you said that you had a great story about a university professor stigmatizing fan fiction. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so um, this was in 2014, and I was at art school. So um, just for some context, everybody enrolled in this course was doing either a Bachelor of Design or a Bachelor of Fine Arts. So they're all automatically, by definition, creative people. And I enrolled in an elective called Web Theory, which was like a liberal arts course about kind of, it was not a computer science course. It was sort of about the history of the internet, the culture of the internet, ways that the internet affects society. And in one of our classes, um, that it was said in the syllabus that they would be discussing fan fiction. So I was sort of excited for this class and the class comes around. There's a male professor, maybe in his fifties or sixties, and he brings up the concept of fan fiction and immediately starts denigrating it. He says how like, it's so stupid. All of the fan fiction that's been written is terrible. It's all like softcore porn or hardcore that it's exclusively written by like middle-aged cat cat ladies who you know like can't find a boyfriend or can't can't find a husband um and then he pulls up archive of her own and like random goes on to the like most recently updated like you know where it shows like what are the most recently published stories of all fandoms and anything put together and just sort of scrolls through it and clicks on one that's maybe a fandom of like a like a children's puppet tv show i i can't remember what show it was but it was like the sort of thing where 
you didn't even know that there would be like a fan fiction community. Yeah. And of course, like he pulls up one that is like maybe the most characteristic of the things that people make fun of fan fiction for being in that it's like sexual. The main characters are from like a bizarre children's TV show. It's poorly <laughs> written and whatever. But he's pulled this from like the most recently updated page, which like nobody who reads fan fiction is like yeah. just going to the most recently <laughs> updated from any fandom in the entire universe. And he pulls it up and shows it to the class and is like, look how stupid this is, blah, 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 and whatever. And after he does that, he says, oh, by the way, has anyone here ever heard of fan fiction or read it? And in this class of about, let's say, 30 people, nobody raises their hand. Mm. And just, I'm just going to repeat, this is a room full of majority women and gay men between, let's say, 18 and 22 years old, all of whom are creatives in the year 2014 and you're telling me that not a single person in this room has ever heard of fan fiction really like obvious like (laughs) i'm willing to bet every person in that room has heard of fan fiction yeah okay especially because that was after that was after um your one from the porn the porn novel like uh what was her name uh the 50 50 shades of gray that was after 50 shades of gray everyone heard about fan fiction about 50 shades of gray yeah, and this was also 2014, which was, like, the the peak year of Tumblr. And incidentally, I think it was also the year of the ball pit. <laughs> we won't go into that. But, um, and, and you know, again, these people are all artists. And, like, yeah. you're really telling me that none of these people, and, and not only are they artists, but they're people who have signed up for an elective called Web Theory, which is about mm-hmm. internet culture. And it was just so transparent that like we were all saying no we've never heard of it because the guy the teacher had just disparaged it and very misogynistically for like half an hour made fun of anyone who would ever write or read it and um i think to me you know we all knew that there was like a stigma and that it was considered embarrassing or something you wouldn't tell people but um i had never seen it sort of enacted quite so literally and clearly as I had seen it in that moment. Um, And I think I came away from that class thinking not that I had, that I was right to have been embarrassed about it, but like how stupid this guy came off because it's like anyone who knows anything about fan culture knows like people don't choose what to read on the basis of most recently published. That's like no one would walk into a library and say, whatever book is closest to the door is the one that I'm (laughs) going to read. And if that's the children's section and I'm an adult, so be it, you know, or if that's the large print section and my eyesight is fine, so be it. (laughs) Nobody, nobody does that. And nobody, when they're cooking dinner is like, whatever recipe is at the front of the cookbook that's what I have to make. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this point about, oh, there's no gatekeeping. So there's no means of like ensuring that the product is good quality. This is the same thing that could be said about zine culture and independent artists. And yet at art school, if you try to say that any artist who did not receive approval from the academy or the powers that be was necessarily bad, I mean, Like, that would be an insane thing to say if you had any kind of knowledge of art or art history, because, like, some of the artists who are now most respected were absolutely disparaged by the Academy and, you know, none of the gatekeepers were letting them in. And yet, like, to go ahead and and say this about fan fiction, firstly, it showed that, like, he had no idea what he was talking about. Secondly, it showed that, like, he literally just hates women because I'm sorry, but saying, like, this thing is enjoyed by middle-aged women so it's bad or like this thing is enjoyed by single women so it's bad is like 
I mean, there's nothing else to say. Like, you just hate women. I'm sorry. At least (laughs) you don't respect them. So that was an experience that I had. And I think it actually made me in some ways less embarrassed about this idea because I realized um, there's no way any anyone in that room was telling the truth that they had never heard of fan fiction. I don't believe that for a moment. Um, And there's also no way that this guy knew anything of what he was talking about. Um, he was just, you know, a college professor going off about something he was totally ignorant about. And, and that sort of gave me more room to be like, you know, this isn't really an indefensible argument. If you know anything about what you're talking about, it, it's the argument of somebody who knows nothing. You know, this is the argument of somebody who doesn't like poetry because they can't understand metaphors and says that all poetry is garbage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I think you're definitely right in that, like a lot of the, at least as far as I'm aware, a lot of the criticism that comes with fan fiction is from people who've never read fan fiction and who don't understand like the diversity of the kind of fan fiction that is out there. Like, as I said, you know, I've been on, like I've been writing Harry Potter fan fiction. I've also been writing like very niche, very small fandom fan fictions as well. And there's such a diversity in terms of teams, in terms of fandoms, in terms of, you know, like in also like the, the kinds of stories themselves. Obviously fan fiction is known for being a bit more, let's say a bit more open than general society in terms of like the themes that it del- deals with. And, you know, there was a lot of like slash fan fiction and, uh, before that became mainstream in like the publishing world and all that. And so I think like, obviously, you know, there's such a diversity and such a, like, like, it's such a diverse art form. And so like, as far as I'm aware, you know, when you hear criticism, it's from people who've never read it and who just like think Fifty Shades of Grey is just like the standard of what fiction is, uh, which obviously, you know, Yes, there is that. And yes, there is a lot of like hardcore porn and and soft porn as well. But there is like so much more than that. It's also like Fifty Shades of Grey started as a fan fiction, but it ended up getting published by like mainstream publishers in the industry. So any criticism you could make about, you know, this being published in an industry in like an area where there are no gatekeepers could be responded with. Yes, but then the gatekeepers saw how popular it was and decided yeah. <laughs> to publish it in a mainstream way. So if your argument is that gatekeepers make decisions on the basis of like artistic value, I mean, you're going to have to admit they make a decision on the basis of saleability and whether something is going to have an audience. And yeah. it's not like it's not like all books that have been traditionally published are viewed as fine literature. So Certainly, it's true that anybody could go on the internet and publish a fan fiction because there's no gatekeeping. As long as you have internet access, you could do it. And that's true. And certainly, the absence of gatekeeping means that your process of selection for what you want to read is going to be ha- have, have to be maybe a little bit more self-directed if you want to read something of a certain quality. But, you know, like that doesn't mean that all fan fiction is bad. And the reality is, I think, for me... And for you and for most people who are interested in reading works that are of a certain quality level, what we do is we build up like networks of communities of people whose opinion we know and trust and and value. And if we have an author we like, we see what kind of work have they favorited or have they liked or people who love works that we loved, what else have those people liked? So Mm -hmm. it basically ends up being kind of like, you know, when people want to go out to a good restaurant in their neighborhood, they would usually ask their friends like, what places would you recommend? And then restaurants become popular based on word of mouth. And that 
to me, that's kind of how it works in the fan fiction world. Would you, yeah. would you agree? No, definitely. And I think, um, you know, I think that's why AO3 has like taken over the world and like completely <laughs> annihilated like, um, FFNet because their way of like having bookmarks and kudos and things like that is so much better than what you used to have on fanfiction.net. And I think like that is one of the reasons why so many people prefer AO3 is that it's so much easier to kind of, you know, go through someone, someone else's bookmarks and like find good works, um, to, to like to read and like something that like you might enjoy because you've enjoyed either this person's work or another work that they have recommended. I was wondering, um, maybe we could discuss a little bit, um, kind of how we think fan fiction sort of differs from other forms of writing and kind of like the benefits and challenges of like how, you know, how like the benefits and challenges of writing fan fiction and what you kind of like about it and maybe like how it differs. I know you've, you said you've written like original fiction as well. So like, what's your kind of opinion on that? And like, what kind of what makes you stay in fan fiction as, as well? Um, I think there's kind of, multiple reasons that people get in it and then there's reasons that people stay in it so like as Mm -hmm. we discussed before a lot of people get into it as kids and then some people stay and some people some people lose interest in writing altogether or like creative writing altogether some people maintain interest but kind of go to original fiction and then never come back some people maintain both interests and some people lose interest in original fiction and only write fan fiction so it kind of it can be any combination of those things um for me, when I've talked to people who were like extremely gifted fan fiction writers and I say like, what makes you stay in this area when, you know, you can't make money in it, you can't really receive public recognition for it. Like, why not go to original fiction? Um, I've gotten answers like, you know, they like having a guaranteed audience. They like, they like being able to get feedback without waiting like six years from a first draft to getting an agent, to getting a publisher, etc. Some of them have said that they have published original fiction, but when people read your original work, there's no means for them to respond or comment. So it doesn't matter how many people have read it because you're not really hearing from them. Um, Some people say that the publishing industry is very hard to get into because of various forms of nepotism and so forth, which are, uh, which is another subject. But the point is, if if you don't have connections, it's very hard to get into the publishing industry, even if you are a great writer. And the publishing industry is also collapsing because of the internet. So there's really not a lot of money to go around anymore. And, you know, it's sort of like the music industry in that respect. So a number of different answers, but, but some of them are mainly that people want to write and get reader response and they don't want to wait six years and they don't feel that, you know, regardless of how good of a writer they are, the publishing industry is kind of a disaster right now for various economic reasons. Um, it's very hard to get into. And even if you did manage to find mild success, you likely wouldn't hear anything from your readers. You would get a check, um, which would probably be abysmally small, and you would never really hear anything from the, from the majority of your readers. And that's kind of the end of it. Whereas fan fiction offers kind of a different experience of community. Um, that being said, some people write both. I mean, for me, like like I've said, I'm not trying to make a living off of this because the art industry, the publishing industry are disasters. And it's kind of, it's past the point of, are you good enough to make an, a living at this? Or like, do you have the artistic skill? 
Like it's beyond that. That's that's not even the question. The question is like, is this an industry on the verge of financial collapse? <laughs> to me, the answer in terms of publishing is unambiguously yes. So to me, it's it's like not even a relevant question. Am I good enough? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not. It doesn't even come into my head. I mean, certainly I worry about whether my work is good, but when it comes to like financially, I have a job that I use to pay for things, and it doesn't rely on me being in an industry that needs a new financial model desperately. I guess the reason I write fan fiction is because I like the community. I like the exchange of ideas. I like that immediate feedback aspect because I have friends who also write it and I like kind of having that sense of community. And I write original fiction because there's specific stories I want to tell that are original and that are my own ideas and aren't based on anything. So um, quite simply, I I have both things in my life. And I, I also have a community of like original fiction writers who I share that kind of work with. I don't put it online or publish it online because if I do want to publish it in like, if you put it online, you will never be able to publish it in a magazine or something. So I don't do mm -hmm. that. Um, but I do share it with like my community of people I know in real life who are also writers. And I, I kind of have that space for my original fiction. And that's why, you know, you won't see it on AO3, but it does exist. Um, but with fan fiction, like it just fulfills a different need. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I completely identify with what you've said about like people kind of set, staying in the fan fiction for kind of the community aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, like that's definitely like, that was definitely my experience. I think like, so in 2020, I like was unemployed and I spent a lot of time writing. And one of the things that I wrote was an original short story and I was very happy with it. Like it was the first one that I kind of took from beginning to the end without like stopping in the middle. And <laughs> I got it like first short story got, got published, got even paid for it. But that was that. Like, do you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. oh, I had like this high of like, t like maybe a day or something of being like, wow, my first short story and it got published and I was so happy. And then I just kind of like, you know, exactly that. Like you never hear from your readers. You never, mm -hmm. the only feedback that you get is from the publisher and they're really like, they were really nice and like they gave me really good comments, but like it was kind of like being used to the community aspect of writing fanfic and like being able to kind of exchange with my readers and you know I'm someone who like I will answer every single comment that is ever left on my fanfic um mm -hmm. and I just because I just like the community yes sometimes you get comments that are stupid and like I think everyone has been there but you know, there's like such a lovely kind of community and exchange of what you can get out of fan fiction that I think mm -hmm. is just like very, like it's very engaging as a, and as a writer, it's very re rewarding. And I was talking to someone online the other day and they were kind of mentioning, um, we were talking about fan fiction and like original fanfic, original fiction. And I was saying that, you know, even if like, I think now, even if I was to write like original fiction, cause I don't have that kind of real life community. Like I've never been one for like creative groups or whatever. Mm -hmm. I never, I didn't go to school with that. And it's not, it's not a medium that I'm comfortable with. And I think if I was to write original stories, like I'd probably publish them online as well for free because that is what I do. Like that is what I do. That is what I've always done. And that is what I know to do. And, um, and that what, that is what brings me joy in a way. And of course, like then there's like 
you know, differences in like who's going to read your original stories versus who's going to read your fan fiction and fan fiction drives more, like more of an audience just by the way it exists. But Mm -hmm. I think like just generally speaking for me, the community aspect and like the feedback aspect and all that stuff is definitely what has made me like stay in fan fiction even as I age is just like because I enjoy it and as you said like for me it's a hobby it's not like again like I'm not trying to I'm also not trying to make a living out of this and so I think like for me it's just like it's a very engaging and rewarding medium yeah and I I definitely agree with that and I think you know it's not just that you can't make money off fan fiction. Like realistically, you also can't make money yeah. off original fiction. So like the difference is with fan fiction, you went in not expecting money. And with original fiction, you went in not expecting a once every six months check for 30 cents. Yeah. Which I've, I've spoken to people who are published authors. They will literally get a check in the mail for an amount that is less than a dollar. And that yeah. is the royalties. So somehow that's worse. That's worse yeah. than just getting no money. Um, and certainly, I mean, to me, I think some of us who are older writers, um, it's a little bit like how movie producers want to cast a star before they finance a project because they know that some people will come see the movie because they hear the name of the star and that will get people in the door. And with fan fiction, it's sort of like, you have a story that you want to tell, but you need to attach that name of like a famous fandom because that will sort of get people in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly as I've written, I, as I'm going towards writing stuff that's more kind of alternate universe and is less kind of structurally reliant on canon, I know that um, more and more I'm going past sort of building off or extrapolating from canon and more like writing an original story that has some elements of, you know, having a celebrity on the marquee to get people in the door. Um, and I think people are okay with that as long as you're delivering in some way something that has some level of inspiration in the original product. And I mean, we've talked before this conversation about someone who I know who has written fan fiction for fandoms where they've they've never actually consumed the original canon story. So you can't even call it a derivative work because they don't even know what they're deriving from. And so that's when it gets quite clearly into the area of like, this person is not using fan fiction as a crutch because they can't tell an original story they're using a brand name as a marketing tactic you know yeah I- like the only thing i wanted to mention regarding at what you just said is like i think it's like very interesting where you draw the line as well because like for me so recently you actually better this so uh, i wrote a fanfic called the fall to, Ma- fall to manufacturing which was centered on a uh, like seamus finnegan from harry potter's backstory mm-hmm. and there is a very prominent OC in so original character in that story called Aoife and she's Seamus's sister and I got like so many comments asking me to like write a story about her like particularly and like people really liking her as an original character and wanting that and I was kind of sitting like I was kind of sitting thinking to myself like okay if I were to write that like where does that sit because is this like at this point, you're just writing an or- a story about an original character who happens to have relatives in the ma- magical world. Like, it's like so distant in terms of like, and it's a mm-hmm. bit like your Vietnam War AU where like, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, it's such a distant, 
like relationship to the fandom yeah. itself. And I was kind of like, even if I was going to write that, like, where does that sit in like fan fiction, you know, in like the split between fan fiction and original fiction? Yeah. And I think it, it gets to a point where the answer to the question, like, is this fan fiction or not is like, does it matter? You know, like yeah. there's, there's a writer I like who did a Harry Potter fan fiction that was centered on 99% original characters and one character who was like name dropped in the narrative once and has no, there's no like actual structure to this character that came from canon. It was like a name. She built an entire story around mainly original characters and this one name drop that really was only tangentially connected to the main, the actual narrative. Again, that question of like, is this original fiction? To me, it's like, does it matter? Because like, the amount of creativity that was required to write, it was still the same amount of creativity because not everyone could just sit down and write that. Like, it was still a very difficult story yeah. to write. So, I mean, for me, I've definitely thought, like, as I've been writing this recent AU, which is my first time going into, like, a real AU, AU. Well, actually, no, it's my second time. But this time, I'm really pushing the limits of, I think what has to be the same as canon in order for this to be like remotely recognizable to people who came in expecting some recognizable characters. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, like I I could definitely file the serial numbers off of this and nobody who didn't know its origin would like <laughs> suspect. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, like Sherlock, the BBC TV show is a fan fiction of Sherlock Holmes. Like that—that that is what it is. You and know, it's AU. It's like a modern AU. Yeah, right? it's like a modern AU of Sherlock Holmes, and I'm sure there's been like Sherlock Holmes mo modern AUs that were written before the Sherlock by BBC show came up. Um, and I think you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Partic particularly, it's still like an incredibly original take and an original story. Even if you're, you're writing like straight canon stories, you're still writing something that isn't in the original material. And at that point, like it is an original story for me as far, like, yeah, mm -hmm. as far, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think, um, some writers who have, who have been prominent writers have chosen to write sort of sequels or other versions of books that did go into the public domain. So like Geraldine Brooks won the Pulitzer Prize for her book, March, which is told from the perspective of the father in the family from Little Women, who's a chaplain who's away in the uh, Union Army during the Civil War. And so he's basically telling the story of the father, who we know from canon as having written letters to the girls when he was away. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, because that work had gone into the public domain, she was able to publish it, make all this money, although probably not actually that much, win a Pulitzer Prize, which obviously is the more relevant concern here and somehow that's not considered fan fiction even though it totally is and by the way it's yeah. not even it's not even au like it fits perfectly <laughs> into canon the only difference is that she waited until the author the material had gone into the public domain but there's literally literally no other difference yeah okay well i think it might be time to wrap up mm -hmm. um so i was wondering uh maybe we could get some recommendations about stuff to read or stuff to listen to or whatever uh regarding fan fiction and and writing uh do you have any recommendations to give yeah so um what i would say anybody who writes any kind of anything including non-fiction including argumentative writing everybody needs to read the elements of style by strunk and white 
which is a fairly dry book on basically how to construct proper sentences, paragraphs, and so on, which sounds very boring. But some of the advice they give is stuff that you hear it once, test it out to see if it works, you realize it does work, and then you use it for the rest of your life. So you don't have to sit down and read it cover to cover. Put, buy it, put it in your bathroom and read like one little piece every time you go to the bathroom. And I, I promise this stuff really works. So that's The Element of Style by William Strunk Jr., Okay. Yeah, that's a really good recommendation. I have not read it. Uh, I'm not one for like books on writing, I suppose. Um, it's not really something that I engage in, but I definitely, um, I'll look into that. Um, I suppose my recommendation, uh, would be, there's some authors that I can recommend uh, in terms of like writing, um, especially Harry Potter fanfic, uh, which don't, kind of fall into the usual cliche of like writing mm -hmm. porn and things like that <laughs> um, so someone I could someone def I could definitely recommend well I could recommend your work first of all uh, but I could also recommend uh, I really like Dirge Without Music uh, I think their work is is really good quality and they're kind of a gen like they kind of write gen fan fiction. I mean, there's a little bit of like adult themes and stuff, but most of it is kind of a general, um, general kind of style of fan fiction. And I think it's great for someone who, you know, doesn't know that much about fan fiction and has all these like old cliches about fanfic and stuff. And I think like that person's a really good writer. Yeah. And I would recommend, um, in terms of really having a level of writing skill where I believe this person could be published if they filed off the serial numbers, I would recommend a writer called The Divine Comedian, um, also in the Harry Potter fandom, whose ability to construct a sentence, construct a plot, do foreshadowing, all of it is to me at a professional quality. Their work is just like absolutely, I, you read it and you're like shocked that this is a person who isn't being paid for what they do. Um, so anyway, who can you just uh, give out your name and tell us where we can find you? Yeah, so you can find me at copper-dust.tumblr.com or my archive of our own name is also copper underscore dust. Okay, very good. And I'm Joe, and I'm Pebbly Send on all platforms, including Tumblr and AO3. Bye. Bye. Bye.